Welcome to Finding Fit, a podcast by three best friends and business partners. We're holding nothing back, and we apologize in advance. I'm your host, Angela Beeler. And I'm your host, Katherine Ballas. And I'm your host, Emily Field. So grab a cup of coffee, take a shot of whiskey, or pour your favorite glass of Prosecco. And join us for a conversation about finding your place in this crazy world. And this. Is finding fit. <laughs> that was good. That was 100% improvement, even though it was still wrong. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Finding Fit. Catherine here, and I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for taking the time to show up. Thank you for listening to this episode, and thank you for being a part of this community. It truly means more than you know, so thank you. Hey, before we get started, before we jump into this episode, I did want to bring y'all in to a conversation that Angela and I were having as we were editing this episode. We're having some apprehension about some of the stories and some of the content that we shared. I think mainly because we, as you will soon find out, uh, are sharing about our own spiritual journey, our own spiritual history, our interactions with different churches, ministries, and with God. And that is a vulnerable and personal thing to share. And some of the thoughts that I was having was, what if I misunderstood? What if my intention and my heart doesn't come through? You know, you guys can't see our faces. You can only hear our voices and a lot's missed. And you don't know that we're smiling and that we're lighthearted in some of this in these conversations. What if my story unintentionally hurts somebody? And I think that's the risk in vulnerability. There's always a risk with vulnerability. And because vulnerability is vulnerable. <laughs> vulnerability is setting yourself up to potentially be hurt. But I think that's the beauty of this community is that you and I can sit at the same table and I hope that you picture yourself sitting at a table with us as you're listening to the conversation that we're having. You and I can sit at the same table and have completely different experiences, completely different beliefs, completely different backgrounds and thoughts on things, and still find beauty in one another's story and one another's journey and can find camaraderie maybe in, in our shortcomings and our missteps. And so at the end of the day, I hope that you can hear three girls having a candid conversation about seeing and finding God in all things. And without further ado, here's episode 11 of Finding Fit. P.S. I was listening to Josh's podcast that we're going to release this Friday on the way over here. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm obsessed with him. I love him so much. Sometimes he annoys me so greatly. Just like the, <laughs> the threeness of him. Yeah. Like, yes. and this isn't, Josh, if you're listening, and if this makes it to the podcast, I, this is something I would tell you to your face. Um, but yeah, just what do you mean by the threeness of him? Like, um, what do I mean by that? Sometimes, you know, I think it isn't Josh specific. Threes in general bother me mm -hmm. um, for different reasons, and so I think just sometimes when he feels very over, three. overly three e. <laughs> I'm like, there it is. Like, sh like performing or like. Yeah, like I can tell they're not interested in the conversation. They're more interested in how they're appearing in the conversation. Yeah. Or what they're saying or, you know, what they're asking, what they're doing. 
I can tell the attention has shifted from being engaged in the group to self-focus within the group. Yeah. But so. you that's how you're annoyed by threes. But yes. why did you say that you love him so much? Oh, just because it's just he's so tender and humble, humility, uh, humble, humility. Yeah. He's so humility. He's so humble and tenderly he's filled with humility. <laughs> yeah. And I I think because of the conversation that we're about to dive into it was good for me to hold on to the example of right questioning right digging right probing Uh right kind of restored your faith and trust in yeah humans in that position so I think that it was good for me anyway with this conversation to have an example of really authentic, kind, tender, vulnerable, male Christian leadership. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like, oh, there's Jesus. Yeah. That's what it feels like. That's what he looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he looks like that. Mm -hmm. He has to look like that. But my experience may, may have dictated some other things. So what we're talking about today, I don't know if you have a segue into it. I think you have the template for most of it. So I'll do a segue. Uh, Since you're so good at transitions. Yeah. (laughs) I am good at introductions though. So I'll do it. Um, So what we're talking about today, honestly, for me, I, I can't speak for Emily and Catherine, but for me, the whole reason, the whole genesis behind me wanting to do this podcast is for this moment in this topic and that feels like the podcast as a whole or this episode the podcast as a whole was because of this yes. historical moment we're about to Pretty let's much. come up with some other things we can talk about so that we can call it finding fit and so we can talk about yeah <laughs> this topic yeah well I think you know the conceptual idea was that we wanted a place to talk about all the things that we want to talk about without the limitation or restriction of well what does that say about the business mm-hmm. and is that, is that on brand? And because we just have great stories to share. But for me, this isn't a, a great story necessarily. It's just a story that I've wanted to tell mm-hmm. because the three of us experienced it together. Um, and I don't think we've ever had a chance to process it together for other people. We've had yeah. a chance to process it within our own friendship. Mm-hmm. But even then, I feel like just kind of, mm-hmm. it's been so long. It has been so long. So anyway. Well, I can tell you when we've processed it. We have processed it outside at your house. Mm-hmm. And the first time I remember was in front of a, a, a fellow aide of yours. One of the first times, Brett Mills. Oh, yeah. Okay. And oh, I wasn't there for that. That was the first time. And then the second time was I think we were in pretty recent history around we were outside by uh at the dinner table outside at your house mm-hmm. and is retelling it in front of y'all's spouses you know uh-huh. which is a different dynamic I think to tell it at that moment yeah, yeah. with those people I will say before we jump in um I I do want to say that we are talking about a, a subject that could possibly be triggering to mm-hmm. some people um because it is a subject of 
spiritual abuse. And if that is something that you have dealt with in the past or in the present, and this conversation becomes triggering to you, please know that you can press stop, you can press pause. You never have to listen. You never have to listen again. So I did want to go ahead and and put that out there before we get started. Yeah, I would even say anybody who's experienced any type of abuse, there will be um, commonalities, common threads that I've learned kind of relates all abuse victims together, regardless of what type of abuse. So even the phrase spiritual abuse might feel um, foreign or something that you haven't experienced. Um, but I think a lot of listeners are familiar with what abuse feels like. Mm -hmm. So just to be mindful of how they're all connected. Yeah. And I will say that we are going to be intentional about not sharing specific information about this individual. Um, I will say he's not local to Waco because that would be the most obvious place that people would start. And because we have such a small town, it's easy to start Process cherry, of elimination. Yeah, <laughs> cherry picking who it is. So this is Google's not, all the pastors in Waco, Texas. Yes. This is not anyone in Waco. It is not anyone we currently have relationship with. It is someone we met one time, which still makes it so right. didn't have freaking any audacious. previous relationship with not even just not anymore. No relationship. Yes. Before, during, or after. Um, so we will Which, be... Which, I mean, that's a one-night stand if I've ever heard <laughs> one before. Gosh. Well, we can go there, too. Yeah. Um, it, uh, so we won't be sharing his name. It's not helpful or beneficial. Um, but if you want to DM me, I said, yeah, I'll tell you who it is. <laughs> Send yeah, me a DM. We're going to lovingly refer to him as Bon Guava. Okay. Bon Guava. Bon okay. Guava. Okay. You can create whatever image of a person you think fits that bill. <laughs> it's not a name. It's for, really far from a name. Sounds like a fruit, actually. Right. Well, guava. Guava. Is a fruit. Yeah. yeah. Old Bon. Ding, bon ding, Guava. Ding. <laughs> well, okay. So I don't know where you want to start. I do know, Catherine, you are going to be guiding and Sherpa-ing this conversation for us, which I think is really good. Because I feel of the three of us, you probably are the most equipped to to do this, to to take us on this journey. But I think the place that we need to start, and maybe you've already teed it up too, is just our own spiritual journey. Yes. Like Angela, how, okay. come on, we are on the same wavelength. <laughs> okay. Yes, we. Yes. It would. We need to give everyone context for where we have been personally. Mm -hmm. So, do you want to start that off? Yeah, sure. Um, so. I think the reason it's important for you guys to understand mine, Catherine and Emily's kind of background obviously is because some of you have actually asked about that. You've, mm -hmm. you've had the question like, Hey, I want to hear your testimony. I don't use that Christianese phrase for the story I'm about to tell. I don't have a like testimony that I can put in a box and wrap with a bow and say, and this is the day that I accepted Jesus. Um, so it's not a testimony, but it's my journey to this point with Bon Guava, which will, which shapes why my response was the way it was. And then the same is obviously true for Catherine right. and Emily. But so I was not raised in what I would call or what most listeners would call a Christian home. We did not attend church. Um, my dad, interestingly enough, was an ordained minister, but prior to me being born, he left the, left that Left the ministry. Left the ministry uh, because he said he just couldn't get on board with telling people how to live their lives. I mean, not a bad reason to leave. 
Right. So um, my mom was a non-practicing Buddhist. She immigrated from Thailand uh, to America when she was 19. Um, And so for the most part, we were a, I would say, a non-faith home. Lived in a pretty conservative community where most kids that I knew went to church. Um, It was public knowledge that I didn't. And so I did feel kind of schlepped around by different kids who would invite me to VBS. We lived next door to a, I think he was a youth minister or worship pastor. I can't remember. And so, you know, I was always uh, invited to go to vacation Bible school with them or to go to Sunday school with them. I also had a grandmother that was a devout Methodist, and that's where most of my formation came. I remember going to church with her. I remember working in in the nursery with her. I remember, you know, uh, big holidays. We would be at her house, and we would go to church with her, and I loved the the beautiful First United Methodist Church in Paris, Texas, where she was a member, and the songs we would sing, I still know by heart, the quarters she would give me to put in the offering plate, and that was just a really sweet time with my grandmother. But um, so I think it was around junior high and high school where, you know, that childlike, you know, acceptance of going to church with people sort of transitioned. And I became more aware of feeling like a little bit of a pawn, so to speak, for the kids that were challenged to invite a non-church member to this activity or to this youth group. Or I had a friend that I really looked up to. We were new friends, and I remember that she invited me to spend the night on a Saturday, um, which was odd because most everybody spent the night on a Friday, mm-hmm. um, but, but the reason was because church on Sunday. And um, so I think over the course of junior high and high school, I had a pretty uh, transactional mm-hmm. taste that was uh, put in my mouth for what it meant to be a Christian But at the same time, I was wrestling with my own Christianity and the desire to have a relationship with God. And though I didn't have any foundation or examples set before me, I remember as a ninth grader being a really devout Christian, what that what that meant to me, Mm -hmm. you know, my definition of it. And I, you know, I would like write down the number of curse words that I heard my friends say or, you know, confess in this journal like when I had terrible thoughts or like write down prayers in this journal. But it was really extreme. Yeah. Because I think looking back, I was clearly overcompensating mm-hmm. for for something that I didn't have yeah. in my life. Or almost trying to like... um pass your own test of like, I understand. Mm-hmm. I know you say these things and I get it. Cause look, I can keep up with it in my own exactly. life. I'm also not surprised by that based on your personality <laughs> of like, I'm going to be a hundred million percent in this deal. Or I'm not doing it at all. Yeah. I'm writing down cuss words or forget it. Or I'm actually, <laughs> yes, cussing. I was so judgy and uh-huh. so judgmental. And yeah, you're right. Like I can do the Christianity thing by myself. I don't need a church. I don't, I'm need, in. A, I don't need a pastor. I don't need anybody to tell me how to do it. I can do it myself. Uh-huh. Uh, but at the same time, I can also remember being in constant conversation with, with God all the time. Mm-hmm. My sister and I, you know, we slept together until we were like fourth or fifth grade. And I remember, you know, just the two, the image of two little Asian mm-hmm. girls in their beds. We would pray and then we would spend like five to ten minutes blowing kisses up to God Aww. and drawing hearts and like whooshing it into so the So cultural. Air. <laughs> you, you yeah. Like loved that. Sure he did. 
Um, <laughs> so proud. Yeah. He's like, Florence they and Angela. <laughs> They're my girls. There they are. Um, I remember praying when I was seven that outside in my yard, like an image seared in my mind because I was home alone. My sister was somewhere. I was in my driveway and I had gotten into the habit of saying, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And I remember praying, God help me stop saying your name like that. Uh-huh. And I did. <laughs> so, so you know, again, seven years old. So there's, there was always a, uh, I was always in tune with someone, something, protecting me, loving me, being, um, fighting for me, mm-hmm. bigger so, than yourself, bigger than myself. Yeah, even with without the true formation as a child. So how did you yeah. move from ninth grader, yeah, to college, like adult? Like right. what, what did your spiritual life look like then? Yeah. So in college, my very, very best friend who became at the time the godfather of Kelly Lane, um, his name was Mark Menchaca. He's an actor. You may have seen him on Ozark. He's also in a Netflix show called, or movie right now called Alone. Uh-huh. He He's looks, awesome. He looks very He's creepy He's so amazing. <laughs> he is awesome. I have secret desires that he and Catherine are going to get married. But well, that's not secret anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Mark. Hello. Anyway, I love you him so much. Call me. My number is. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I think he has a girlfriend. But anyway, Probably. yeah. Um, and a ring on it. We were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he's married. Has six kids. It's fine. Um, but he, he and I were best friends, and he was one of my first friends back at A and M when I was at A and M with a ten month old. And you know, we were so close that we eventually started dating because we just thought, "You're a boy. I'm a girl. You know, we're close. We should date." And that didn't work, but. We stayed friends, and uh, he's the first person. He was part of a group called Aggie Men's Club, which is a Christian fraternity. Um, I think he was also really um, into K-Life, if anybody's familiar with K-Life. And he's the first person that ever really modeled what it looked like to have a relationship with Jesus but also be normal, where it wasn't transactional. He wasn't trying to get me to do anything as a, as a Christian. You know, mm-hmm. He wasn't pursuing me so that mm-hmm. I would get saved. He just was living his own life with God and being a friend to me. Mm. And there was no transaction. Mm -hmm. They just both existed. And so I think just watching him love Jesus the way that he did and love me the way that he did Mm -hmm. was so profound. So that's the first time that I remember thinking, this is how it it, it naturally feels yeah. to love God and love people. So yeah. I think that's, gosh, I can trace that all the way to now, mm-hmm. you know, the the root or the remnant of that. So anyway, I don't have a moment that I can say, you know, I accepted Jesus. I, I Every time I went to vacation Bible school or to a revival or to a youth group thing, every time from seven to 18, I accepted God over and over think and over again. Thank yeah, you. thank you. Maybe this time it'll stick. <laughs> I don't know. Is this what you're supposed to do? Um, and so, really, then when I got married and had kids, obviously giving my children a foundation in the mm-hmm. way that I didn't have it was really important to me. We joined a church here locally and were there for 15 years, mm-hmm. and that's where I kind of learned, you know, the culture. Here's right. you did Bible study and your husband. Sunday school. 
Sunday school and you sing in the choir. I sang in the choir and <laughs> wow. you know, I lifted my hands during worship and you Angela know, choir gal. <laughs> my husband was a deacon of the church and we mm-hmm. volunteered and we hosted life group and we did all the things. So, uh, <laughs> so then I'll just push fast forward. Then the pastor left and we hung on for a little bit, but the church changed. And so we started looking for different church was church homeless for a while, found another local church that had a very deep, rich culture that's kind of saying it um, as PC as I want to say it right now we were there for about two years never felt like we fit the mold and kind of got washed ashore by that particular church culture ended up at UBC fell in love with Josh here we are today gosh josh is gonna love this podcast because <laughs> there's gonna be a continual like a, and we fell in love with josh <laughs> i'm slightly obsessed with him yeah yeah cappy you want to go next i was gonna punt to you em okay yeah. well i can uh kind of capsulize that my childhood from angela's is maybe on the opposite extreme you were the one doing the inviting <laughs> <laughs> come with me to church you pagan. <laughs> yeah, you can come up with me after school on Wednesday. There's mm-hmm. lots of fun activities, right? Um, so I grew up, was born in the church. Like when I was six weeks old, I played baby Jesus in the Christmas pageant. Like I wow. was, I Talk was Talk about there. a gender switch. <laughs> Talk about just pressure. <laughs> well, you know, my birthday's November 14th. And then the Christmas pageant is like December 10th. You know, it's usually like kind of earlier in the month. And so I was like fresh baby. And my mom will say that I cried right as the lights went down. And went like a little, (laughs) like the perfect Like the child crying in the night. Everyone was like, do you hear what I hear? How must I be saved? A child, a child crying in the night. Right. So. A child, a a child child crying in the night. Is that the word? Sleeping in the night. See, whatever. I didn't go to church, Emily. Give me a break. I can tell you all the words. No. With um, a tail as big as a kite, we must bring him goodness, goodness and light. Or he right. will bring us goodness and We don't know. Life. Okay. We need to get saved. So it started, obviously, as early as my memories will allow me to go back. My days were spent in the church. My mom was um, working part-time, cooking meals in the kitchen. She was on the local missions board. My dad was, at the time, the youngest person to ever become a deacon. Like, he was, you know, early, fresh Mm -hmm. 20s. um, And super, super involved. I do believe that my parents modeled their involvement out of a place of desire, not out of a Mm -hmm. place of obligation, which I want to make sure to give attention to because I think throughout my childhood where I was involved in every activity and it was not a, a debate on whether he went to church or not. It was, unless you are vomiting, you, we, we would, unless blood's coming out of your ears. (laughs) Like there had to be something really significant to keep us from attending church. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, my parents had already gone through their lifetime of reaching that point of attending out of desire. But for us, it was a a place of discipline in Mm -hmm. my life. And I think that that idea of discipline precedes desire. Um, I think for a long time, mm-hmm. when my like later teenage years or early adulthood years, 
I kind of started to wane on the other side of, well, you know, God doesn't want a grumbling heart. So if I don't want to be there, then I shouldn't be there at all right. because you need to do things with a joyful giving spirit. Right. You know, I started to, um, uh, lessen my discipline mm-hmm. in seeking where I desired to give my time to God. Um, but then I was just reminded of how important sometimes just showing up mm-hmm. is. And so even though now as an adult and having kids on my own, first of all, my entire family is still very much involved in the church that I grew up in. Right. So I have Your brother-in-law is is on staff. Mm-hmm. My dad is still a deacon. What's his title? He's the pastor though, right? Or a, he uh, is, he is a pastor. A pastor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, at young adults, it kind of is uh-huh. a, um, moving title and list of responsibilities. But, um, we are no longer actively part of that church. You and your family. Me you're, and my family. You, yes. Tommy, and your kids are yes. no longer. Mm-hmm. And that was a hard conversation, if I remember. It was. And it's, it's like breaking up with your family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And I think where I grew as an adult was just that my expression was different. And I don't, I don't resent the... the the box or the f- mm-hmm. formula, you know, I don't want those words to sound negative, but I think my path of getting from there to where I am now, a lot of it was in those seasons of traveling with baseball mm-hmm. with Tommy, um, and living in different parts of the U S and meeting so many new people getting outside of Waco and learning how other people understood Christianity Mm -hmm. and the way that they described it and the way that they, um, had been impacted by other Christians. And I think I kind of learned then how important it was to, um, extend yourself and to learn, um, really, really intimately who Jesus is to you and for you and start using your own personal language about it. Um, and not just, what words you've heard mm-hmm. and maybe not even fully understand how they apply. And certainly someone that you're talking to doesn't know how it applies. Um, and my heart has always been for people outside of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when coming back and landing in Waco, I think my heart was to just be with people outside of the church. Right. Um, and so when I found church under the bridge, which truly was people outside of the church and outside under a bridge. Because the the church is focused on the homeless. Right. So there's a lot of homeless people who attend. Yes, yes. And so they just really emphasize that the church is not a building, it is the people. And I think the way that they give their attention and focus to people, not just talking about people or giving from a distance, but really sharing and living among Mm -hmm. and with is, is the way that I interpret how the Holy spirit in my body wants me to live and express my faith Mm -hmm. here. Um, so I do have a specific moment that I remember I was seven years old and I got baptized in January. Congratulations. But you know, at the time, I don't want to mention this because I remember praying with my parents next to my bed. And then later on, I was thinking in my head, okay, so I know that I'm a 
center, but I think I was kind of saying it center. <laughs> and I was worried. I, I even thought to myself, I don't want to be outsider. Like I was thinking center, oh, like you are yeah. center or outside. Uh-huh. But I had the concept to know that I needed Jesus in order to not be this, uh-huh. you know, and yeah. because I was a sinner. But what I love, because I do believe that your brain holds on to things that matter, uh-huh. you know, just like everybody knows where they were when 9-11, any kind of like big news, yeah. you don't even know at the time why it's, why it's significant. what the gravity mm-hmm. is of it, but your brain creates the wrinkle when it needs to. And so I, I know that even in my very, very young, unformed mind, I had no idea what I was really saying. Sure. But it still mattered because God still knew that my heart at that time was giving him all that I knew to give him. Mm-hmm. But what's so important about testimonies and what, you know, all Southern Baptist pastors would would say is that it's not just a, a one and done moment, right. you know, so... Um, for you to say, Angela, you know, I gave over and over and over. I think we're supposed to give ourselves, give our heart mm-hmm. to Jesus over and over and over. You know, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that one time. Mm-hmm. And Once saved, always saved. Right. I mean, you <laughs> are always saved, but it's not. You're working not out your faith. Yes. You're. Well, it's a practice. You know, it's it's like um, you don't practice one time for a football game and you're a star. It's Mm -hmm. a constant practice. And so like marriage, like love, it's a constant choosing and re-choosing. Yes. Realigning, re-centering with the things that are important. Yeah. And it is important. Just I want the listener to know. I want to say I I do believe you, you don't lose your salvation mm-hmm. yeah we are but, we are not theologians no <laughs> but that's good no, to know but i but i do my belief is that you do not lose your salvation when you are authentically giving your life and saying jesus i want you to to take over well let me let me just go ahead and say i don't actually even believe personally in that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. Oh, I've got oh, lots of thoughts on all of that, uh, which is for uh, another podcast. Again, to go back one. to the word expression. I mean, you know, yeah. it is an act of obedience, mm-hmm. but it is not a prerequisite. Yeah, a I I was not baptized until I was an adult, and interestingly enough, it's um, at at your church, your home church, mm-hmm. Emily, is where I got baptized so when Cody and I first moved to Waco we visited your home church I won't name it just because I don't think it's important but we visited your church and so then an associate pastor came to visit Cody and I at our house and he just was asking questions from us you know he asked Cody we'll share your testimony and Cody was raised in Baptist church and he was baptized at a young age he did the whole thing and then he said we just let's share your testimony and I said well I was raised in a Methodist church and he immediately said okay well can you tell me what the gospel means to you he didn't ask Cody but he asked me mm-hmm. and so then the conversation came about well in order to be a member of this church you have to be baptized and so as an adult, I put on the gown and I was baptized so that I beca- could become a member. Again, whether you believe it or that's what your church requires there's a difference as well. With it, membership and salvation, right? Also true. But they were blended in this case. Sure. So um, it did that's feel... That's really important delineation. It felt though. transactional again. Yeah. It felt like in order to have access to this community... Absolutely. We need you to be baptized 
to and then you know again i think their intention is mm-hmm. is very whole and very pure hearted sure. but coming from where i came from it was just another hoop i had to jump yeah, through yeah, yeah, yeah. in order to get the snow cone at the end of vacation bible school right you know right yeah so yeah and there's a whole spectrum of legalism that i have more or less tolerance for depending mm-hmm. on who it's coming from sure. and how it's being applied to the person right yeah well i'm somewhere in between both of y'all i think (laughs) i i would say that i grew up in a home that just would not be a evangelical home so you know i would say i'm a (laughs) (laughs) non-evangelical uh so the faith or the traditions that my parents were raised in my dad was catholic and my mom was episcopalian so that's going to be more like traditional Protestant, like, well, not Episcopalian is Protestant, Catholic is Catholic, but liturgical, mm-hmm. right? Very um, traditional, depending on just the, how that expression looks, you're you're not going to have like a, a pastor up there doing an altar call necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I can remember, and I grew up, I, go, I went to an Episcopal uh, school as well. So we'd had chapel twice a week. And I can remember similar moments of being in third grade and having, being on the kneeler. Anybody familiar with the kneeler? I think, isn't it the, like a little pew or a bench it's that a, b- pulls in, out? In the pew, uh-huh. you pull out a literal kneeler. Mm-hmm. They have those in a lot of Catholic churches yes. too. I've yeah. seen them. And so I would, you know, get on the kneeler and the, the priest would be, uh, sharing s- some part of the Book of Common Prayer, and I can remember feeling God's presence as a third grader as he's reading the Apostles' Creed or or whatever it is, and I just remember being like, "Yeah, God, cool," you know. <laughs> and I would I would write my prayers in a little book, and I remember as a young kid, my grandmother taught me how to pray the Rosary, and that was a very reverent, uh, sobering moment mm-hmm. because it wasn't just the years that she had done that that I was experiencing but the years of that tradition Mm -hmm. there was like this authority behind what she was telling me and I remember I think I was in fifth or sixth grade feeling very sober in that moment Um, so I got my first communion at the Episcopal Church which means I was allowed to take communion I had to go through a class and learn about the Bible and that was a big deal for me I remember taking communion for the first time and again having that sober moment with God. Um, so that, I think what I, when I think about Christianity or think about having a relationship with Jesus, I think my parents did a really great job of expressing the values of Christianity without necessarily preaching it at me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like my mom would always say, treat others like you wish to be treated. But she didn't say, God said, (laughs) you need to be kind to everyone or you will burn in hell. Right. Or like, don't you know, you're supposed to love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, it just was, hey, when you, you're going to kindergarten today, go be nice to the kid no one's talking to. I was like, okay, <laughs> mission accomplished, mom. You know, and so I really appreciated that. I was caught, not taught. I learned from watching them. Anyway, high school, I, I it was my kind of first interaction with a, a, a Baptist church. Um, the long story short, I had something fairly traumatic happen um, where I was experiencing a lot of pain in my life, uh, relationally with some family members, as well as with some friends and just got to a point where I was like, I, I have to change something. I'm in so much pain. I can't continue to live 
like this and be happy for life. And I remember going, mom, can, can we go to church? And she was like, well, it's, it's 2 PM on a Sunday. Um, no, cause that's over. And so I went that night to the contemporary service, you know, cause like edgy, <laughs> like <laughs> seven o'clock contemporary service. And, um, uh, pastor Ben Young, who's still a really great family friend was talking about God's will for our lives. And I just remember thinking, I'm not living that. I'm not experiencing that. I would like to experience mm-hmm. that. And so they did an altar call. And I don't know if you've ever like done that. Did you walk down there? at a revival? Yeah. Woo. I've walked, uh, with one of my friends, man, she had prayed and, and needed the moral support. Okay. Or needed the, yeah. I walked with talk her. about nervous. Mm-hmm. So, and, and this is a, a church that, that can seat like 10,000 people, but there was like probably a couple thousand there because it was the edgy evening service. <laughs> and I remember walking down and then you just stand there until the song's over. And they were like, let's welcome these members to the family. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and so then you're whisked away into uh, this back room where they take you through a tract. And um, the sweet person that took me through was you know, reading it to me. And then she's like, okay, now it's your turn, turn to pray. And so like I prayed and she was like, well, gonna need you to redo that. Cause you didn't say the words no that we need Jesus to come into your heart. And I was like, Oh, but weren't they telling you or did they let you pray on your own? They let me pray on my own too. So she's like walking me through it. I was okay. like, yeah, 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 I got it. Got it. Got it. She so- like teed you up. Like she told yeah. you all the things kind of like set the example. Now your turn, quote unquote, say it in your own words, but you also had to say certain, certain words. words. I had to okay. say that I'm a sinner and that, um, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I believe he rose from the dead and I want him to come into my heart. There was like points. Mm-hmm. And you know, at that moment, I'm just so emotional. And so like, I don't, I just have need. I just know that I need this. Can that be enough? And so she was like, gonna need you to say this. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I just remember being really overjoyed. Uh-huh. Like I remember coming home and telling my parents and, or my dad specifically. And then immediately I was called. They were like, for the church, they were like, hey, we want you um, to, we, they sent me a VH te- VHS tape on baptism. And so then I watched it and I was like, I want to be baptized. And so I go and do this big uh, baptism celebration in a pool and like a backyard of someone's house, like 500 people got baptized. Mm-hmm. And as I'm getting out of the water, um, it was really sweet. My English teacher from my high school was there. And so she came to my baptism. We're still friends today. It was Collar Holler. Um, <laughs> but uh, as I'm getting out of the water, I remember this, this girl grabs me and she's like, hi, my name is Letty. I would like to disciple you. And Letty, if you're listening, you're awesome. <laughs> and so she, she did, she started meeting with me. And I think, you know, my big takeaway there was that was the first time I had ever been like intentionally mentored. Uh-huh. And granted it was in um, a biblical context. Like I remember she was like, Hey, read this chapter in the book of John and get back to me. And I read the whole book of John in a day and called her. And she was like, okay, <laughs> you are Next you're level. really excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that was really impactful for me. Just you see, you know, at 15, 16, 17 years old, do you see the like value of someone investing in your life? Um, yeah. So that was cool. Then I went to college. And so to clarify, my freshman English teacher came to my baptism, but I wasn't a freshman when that happened. I was a senior in high school or junior. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went to college, I was fairly fresh, uh, fresh out the, the womb of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I encountered a church community here uh, in Waco that was really strong. Prior to that, I actually went to uh, a church community, Greater New Light. Uh, it was an all-black church. I went there for uh, about a semester and a half and loved it. And then um, met this other church community, and that's kind of where the intense culture of discipleship and um, obedience and holiness and performance and here's what it looks like to be an actual Christian, not a lukewarm one or not a like, you know, just a Sunday morning or Wednesday night one, but like this is what it really looks like was kind of introduced into my life. And so I would say I was very young Mm -hmm. in my faith when that happened, very impressionable. And in college, gosh, talk about being vulnerable. Like you're just Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. And so um, you know, there, there, are, there was a lot of good things that I've learned from that, from that group of people that I'm forever grateful for there, the foundation I have biblically, the, um, understanding I have of the Bible, um, the ability to relate to people, um, very, I'm forever grateful for that. There are also some things that, um, that we'll probably touch on in a little bit, but that I didn't learn how to think for myself and I actually was taught how to not think for myself, right? how to submit to authority and how to let people who were, if they were a day older in Jesus, they had more authority than me because they, they, you know, they were the person I needed to listen to because they had one day on me. Like that was pretty damaging. Um, I went to India on a mission trip and I just remember similar to your dad, Angela, I remember going and I I had to go, I was in a training school and there were three locations, India, Thailand, and China. And I was like, not China. Like, I was just like, God, like that feels really far away. India was very far and as well. And so anyway, I went there and I really struggled. I mean, every day we had like a quota. It was like, go share the gospel with 10 people. And I, I didn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, I feel called to go be nice to people and just listen, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. it was hard cause you'd have to go to team meetings. And it's like, well, fess up. How'd everyone do? And I was like, well, I just, met these really nice people and was nice back to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have any fruit to show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I, I learned a lot in that season. I, I, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't change anything because I think yeah. it's made me a lot of who I am today. And I don't have a bitterness in my mouth anymore about it, but it's, it's definitely shaped my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I knew you, when we first met, when Emily and I first met you, you were pretty rich and deep in that specific church culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I lovingly refer you to refer to you as the the church girl, the Bible girl, um, because yeah, you were you were really in, and that's um, it's actually a really tender place in my heart. Like, there's certain. I remember when Catherine and I were first friends, we exchanged worship music. Um, and I didn't know anything other than CCM, you know, Nicole Nordeman and uh, Wilson Phillip. What is it? Craig, Craig Phil- Phil- <laughs> Wilson Phillips. Craig, Craig Phillips and Dean. Craig Phillips and Dean. Um, I'm dating Jackie Velasquez. <laughs> Do you remember every her? Every time yeah. I fall. She was my quiet time every day. Harder. Yeah. So I made a CD. I burned songs on a CD. Burn, 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 burn. That was illegal. Gave them to Catherine. And, not uh, very Christian of you. Yeah, she. I can only imagine because you had and still have such 
powerful. I, I don't know how you would classify the type of worship music, but you were giving me people like Jesus Jason, culture, Jesus culture, which you know they're pretty common now. But at the time, ten years ago, Misty Edwards, Misty Edwards, um, Jason Upton, Upton, still Upton. love. Oh man, I will listen to Misty, Corey Asbury. I will listen to Misty and Jason today, and I'm just like, oh, that's good stuff. What I haven't really put the two together until now, but I feel like as uh, integrated as I was as like a eight to 17 year old, you were as a young adult. Yes. And so like in my childlike hunger and attentiveness and involvement and obedience, you were kind of experiencing for the first time as an adult Correct. in, in a, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like I was yeah. just kind of listening to, to what to do and going and doing it. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a shift when you are an adult mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's like, and listening and, and waiting. Well, yeah. I, d- I did it forming major life decisions, decisions based, based on, on those things. <laughs> it's but like I, game I, time. Right. I yeah. did that same, I don't know what you call it, but you follow the formula yeah, when you first, when you first encounter it. And I did mm-hmm. it as an adult because that's the first time I had been uh-huh. inside the church culture, not an outsider hoping to get in, but inside. And right. so it was like, oh, okay, we dress like this. We do these play dates. We come here on Monday morning to do mm-hmm. Bible study. We host this life group. You know, you do it. You do the thing because yeah, that's yeah. what everybody else is doing. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's like you're being introduced to a system, a language, a culture of people that you had no idea Mm -hmm. existed. And not only are you introduced to it, but you're in it Mm -hmm. and you're like the poster child. Yeah. I think that's what was, gosh, talk about addicting, like do this, get this treat, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, it's hard to explain when you're on the, uh, outside looking in yeah you know and you've been on the inside looking out and the outside looking in and now the real outside outside looking at the people on the inside (laughs) you know i am banished (laughs) no i'm just saying like that's by choice that was the thing well initially it wasn't by choice okay i do have to say this may be two parts because i think it is yeah yeah, um, (laughs) but there's so much here some of my favorite stories are when my and Catherine's friendship were inside when she was inside, inside. So I have two <laughs> moments. When we were indoors. <laughs> no, when you were on the inside oh, no, I know, of I this know. church culture and I was oh not. And just some of the things. So the first thing is I remember us being at Sonic. Okay, we're just there to get it. No, this is still embarrassing to Why? me. Why? Go ahead. hilarious. It's not funny. Go ahead. No, well, I don't want to tell it. If no, 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 you're good. You're fine. Okay, I know. Uh, <laughs> okay, done. <laughs> okay, done. Anyway, I know, I'm fine. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> it. Um, so we were at Sonic getting like grilled cheese tater tots and a Dr. Pepper with a lime. I can't even remember. <laughs> Cherry lime, it's And I don't know why or what, what you were trying to fix for me, but you, you said. You were in a dilemma. You And so you said, hey, let's wait let's on God. pray and, and wait on God. Let's pray and wait on God about it. And I was like, I roll into my head, not. Is this while you're waiting for your tater tots? Yeah, Yeah. in in between the order and the girl. That's a lot to ask to wait on. Yes, right. (laughs) I wanted to eat. Let's go food first, right? (laughs) 
Um, and so, but I liked Catherine and, you know, it was a new friendship. And so you just, you know, you're, you don't want to like put the kibosh on somebody's <laughs> hopes and dreams in that moment. So I was like, okay. And I remember, so you pray and you're like, okay, let's just wait on God and hear what he has to say. I'm trying so hard <laughs> for her to hear God say something to me so I can tell her. And in my mind, I'm just, it's just all I hear is laughter. Like I'm just laughing or maybe it was God laughing. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But I'm laughing. And then I had nothing to give you. Like I couldn't even maybe lie Maybe that was it. it. Maybe that was what you heard. You never told me that. Plot twist. <laughs> God, God was laughing. laughing. <laughs> I heard, wait yeah. more. So that's the first story. And then the second story is, so Catherine was, uh, ha ha you went through a training school. Did you talk about that? Yes, I a, mentioned it briefly. A discipleship. But that's a, it, it, I think it's worth saying, it's a pretty intense discipleship school. It's, it's, a, it's like going to college to learn how to be a, a mission or a discipler or a disciple. Yeah, it's taken on some different forms. Um, you know, I think initially it was a church planning school. So you okay. were going to learn how to plant churches. Then it turned into like a discipleship school that was still a church planning school. Then it turned into, hey, everyone do this to like love Jesus more. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of in the in-between of the, this is a discipleship school, but it's really church planning school. So, And it's how long? It's... It was a year. It was a nine months. Uh -huh. Is that right? Six months, nine months? Yeah. I don't know. And so you do things like you memorize a lot of scripture. So we had to memorize 89 scriptures, 81, mm -hmm. uh, and then read the whole Bible. And if you didn't, you got kicked out of class. Um, and, and we had to share the gospel three times a week. That was required okay. of me. Mm -hmm. And like the full gospel, not like... Hey, just want to tell you Jesus loves you. Right. Like you had to go random stranger in Walmart. Treasure. Here's hunting. the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And do you want to be, do you want to accept Jesus in your life? Got it. And so. And you had to disciple people and uh -huh. be discipled. It's yeah. A big commitment. So I yeah. met, I met you, Emily, I met you on the tail end of that. <laughs> like, I'm just sitting in my thoughts <laughs> gathering them yeah many. but but when I met you that's who you were you 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 had come out of that training you were well versed in scripture I can't count the number of times that I was with you at the mall or at Target where you would start to engage people and and ask questions you know and yeah. it, it wasn't again I don't want to mischaracterize you or that that discipleship school because again I think the intention was so kind you know but I often saw that you were engaging complete and total strangers mm -hmm. and you would say hey this one is how are you doing it like the, the target cashier hey how are you doing how's your day going on is there anything I can pray about for you today mm -hmm. you know it just was very the poor Barnes and Nobles people natural Barnes and Noble. <laughs> oh, so right. anyway so my other two examples are the first one is you invited me to a woman's conference women's conference at your church woman's conference a woman's <laughs> conference at your church and I went and you know again I'm I was still kind of icky on those things because it was an invitation to the thing and you know it was a really kind of strange church culture for me and also there's a lot of turn your neighbor and tell them that god loves you yes you know, a lot of demonstrative worship yeah, but you know just a lot to walk into and so i remember telling you i'd go but i didn't want to sit with you 
Remember that? Yeah, which I, so, I thought was so weird. Right. I was like, but I was uh, trying to protect myself. Just meet me there. <laughs> we'll pretend like we weren't here together. Right. Yeah. You go that way, I'll go this way. <laughs> I think I, you know, looking back, I was intimidated by what I knew you were in that church culture. You were kind of a, an example to all. You wanted to be able to observe from a distance. Yeah. Not be next to someone and feel like you had to match it or in the contrast exactly i'm standing still right yeah right i was intimidated by how i knew you would act mm-hmm. be um and I, and I just wanted my own experience in case anything was uncomfortable i could just like peace out right so i would sit places and you would come find me and sit mm-hmm. beside me and every time you came if i would move somewhere else <laughs> this happened probably two or three times yeah it wasn't like 32 times in 30 yeah. minute message. So I just kept moving, like trying to have my own experience. And then. Well, you, because let's be honest, you weren't like, hey, I just really want to be here by myself. You would just bolt. Like you yeah. were there and then you weren't. And I was like, did something happen? Are we sick at our stomach? Like, yeah. And I'm just really weirded out by what's happening. So <laughs> anyway, so then you came to the back. You we got found, a runner. You found <laughs> me during prayer time. Right. Okay. And so you came I and prayed know. for this me. Really great. Keep and going. she has her hand on like my shoulder oh, right Angela. here. <laughs> and so she's praying. And so she's saying like, "Do you feel this heat? Do you feel the heat? Do you feel that? Do you feel the warmth? That's God. You know, like I did not say yes, that. Yes, you did. I didn't go. That's God. <laughs> feel this. What is it? Steam, Steam heat, heat coming from my undercarriage. Bridesmaids. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, in my mind, you know, there was that part of me that like wanted to have what you had and wanted to have Jesus mm-hmm. the way you had him. And so, yeah, I'm like trying to feel the heat. But at the same time, my logical brain is going, it's because your hand is on my chest. It's like body heat on body heat. Yes, it's hot because you're. We've reached equilibrium. I will be whatever temperature you right. are. Right. It's I'm just going to walk up to you at like staff meetings now or anytime like at a training and just go, that's God. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that. Yeah. It is. Anyway, so surreal. And then the final story is just, oh, we're um, going. <laughs> well, I said, I think I said I had two, but I have three that yeah. <laughs> um, we were driving around and as a joke, uh, it was on Christmas time as a joke. Oh, I told you, God. I was like, I have so embarrassing. I was like, I have an early Christmas <laughs> gift for you. And I was so like serious. Like, Hey, I want to give you your Christmas gift. Cause it's kind of a, it's not a thing. It's, it's not tangible, but um, I want to give you this gift. And you're like, okay, what is it? So I told her that I had enrolled in this discipleship school <laughs> and I got legitimately excited. So excited. Emily, it was the the immediate joy that was on her face, I, I felt this. bad. I immediately felt bad because, because the joy was so to, pure. Right. She was literally just kidding. So excited, oh and yes, and I was like, I'm gosh. just kidding. And now I feel really bad because of how excited you were. You really were excited that I was going to do that. I was. Okay, discipleship school. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, back up. The title of this episode, I think we're going to change begin it with things like disciples school, discipleship <laughs> school. Like that has got to be one of the displays of, and I want to be careful with my words because I can love people inside of really messed up things. But I think when you start to structure and put a formula, all these very bolded, like sharpie lines 
around Mm -hmm. exactly how the Bible should look Mm -hmm. and word for word interpret this. This is the only way that Jesus meant this. And it needs to look like this, like is interpreting the Holy Spirit for someone else, Mm -hmm. which is going down the road of spiritual abuse. Yes. So funny you mentioned that. Not funny, haha, but funny, ironic. Uh, the book, The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse, um, talks about that. And I actually had to stop reading it when I initially bought it because it was so hard for me to uh-huh. read. But it's talking about abusive systems. Yeah. And um, that's that's kind of one of the big things is he actually mentions this conference that he went to where they um, t- told you how to live, like, this yeah. is how to to do it and he kind of was like from now on I'm not I'm not ever doing that again because yeah. like you said the lines are so hard there's yeah. nothing there's nothing outside the box right well I think anytime you try to form formula, formalize or create a process around something like discipling others or listening to the Holy Spirit or what it even means to be a Christian mm-hmm. you know you are putting power out of God's hands and putting it into a human process. Yes. That should always, I think, should always be met with a critical eye, mm-hmm. a critical thought process. Mm-hmm. Um, Christianity isn't a bunch of check boxes that mm-hmm. you check these four things and you're good. Yeah. And so I think any, any system that would say you do X, Y, and Z and you do it four times a day and you're, you're good to go. Um, we should all have a, a check in our spirit when when that is being told. Yeah, that is not scriptural. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. not anywhere. That came from your brain. Mm-hmm. You want me to do that? Yeah, the thing the 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 caution there is you start reproducing a human being mm-hmm. of how someone thinks that this thing should go. Correct. Versus, hey, hold on. Which might have originated authentically right for them, but right. then once it starts to get passed on to hundreds and hundreds of others, thousands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like this. This is how this goes because I. It, this is what worked for me. Right. Well, let me put it in a different context because I think one thing that we do know well is business. We've had mm-hmm. a business for the past ten years ish, and we understand that as the business has grown. And more team members have gotten added and more uh, people have gotten added to our community. You do have to start formalizing processes, right? You do have to build in systems and formulas. And when this happens, this is what we're going to respond with. And here's our policy and all the things. With that being said, the three of us and our team has always made sure that we never value policy over people. Or process right. over people. Mm-hmm. The people always stay at the center of, of any systems that we create. And we're always ready and eager to forego the policy process or system in honor of the person. And and we do that all the time. Mm-hmm. So to, to this example, Christianity and listening to the Holy Spirit and church culture always should be people-centric. Right. And when you over-process it to the point that you miss the point of the person in front of you mm-hmm. because you're dealing or trying to get the process done or the checkbox is checked, 
you have, you've missed God completely. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I probably have a thousand examples of that, how that, mm-hmm. how I've been, um, complicit, like how I have been the person to miss the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I was on the receiving end of that. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the discipleship school, I had a moment. So I was on staff at this organization at this church and it was during a very hectic conference week. And I was up at the church till two and three in the morning, morning editing videos. Cause we had to get this done for this event. And I remember thinking going into the week, cause it's, it's not like just the week. It's like the month and six weeks before it's yeah. just like go time. I was like, I'm not going to get my Bible reading done for, for the school. There's no way. I just can't, I don't have time. And it's a lot of reading. It's not like one chapter, you know? (laughs) And so I sent an email to one of the staff members and I said, timestamp 2.23 AM. Hey, I'm still at the office. School starts in six hours and five and a half. And I'm not going to have my Bible reading done uh, right now. Um, So I just wanted to let you know that if you guys could extend a little grace to me, I'd appreciate it. It's a really hectic moment in my life. And, um, this person was also on staff. And so I get to the school and, you know, I'm exhausted. I haven't slept. And she goes, I got your email. I go, okay. She goes, you're going to need to sit out today. And I said, okay. She's like, you're going to sit out and read your Bible. You're going to read the reading that you missed. And once you're finished, you can come to class. Mm. And I was like, okay. But, but you were in that moment. You were like, okay. I was mad. Oh, I mean, were. I was okay. upset. I just you could recognize the uh, injustice. injustice. Yeah. No, because I had I thought I had done the work, and my intent was so good. My I was gosh. letting them know ahead of time. I was up till whatever time in the morning. I and I was asking for some help, mm-hmm. and then to just be like, "No, you were asking for some grace." Yeah, yes. Right. Give me grace from give the me church. Give me a anybody minute. missing the ir- irony mm-hmm. of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the me. thing that they talk about giving is a thing you were asking for that wasn't given. Yeah. Yes. And to your point, they were, this individual was so hell bent on the rules and the policy mm-hmm. that said, I mean, if we were a minute late, we had to sit out up for 20 minutes. We couldn't go to worship. If you were a minute late to class, you had to miss worship. You had to sit outside. I can't. I know. I'm, I'm getting like retrospective anger for you in particular for not being like, hell no. Yeah, no. Also oh my, on my personality, I, like, I'm a rule follower. Right, now. Sure. right. Right. And so I, I mean, I still have the pit in my stomach of how I felt in that moment. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, I'm trying, I'm really trying to do the right thing mm-hmm. here. Like I, yeah. I'm not doing cocaine. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> I'm not off the rails. Yeah. Like I am in a we are in a good path. Question, did you pay, did people pay for this school? Yes. Okay, that's where I'd be like, hey, you need to give me a discount. You need to give me my money back because I am leaving this crazy place right now. That's just one tiny oh, example. I can't even think I mean, about how many other examples there were. Small, tiny, impressionable example. Now missed let me, it. They missed it. Let me follow up and say this individual later, probably three or four years later, emailed our whole class. She was no longer on staff and she said, I just need to apologize for you got to you guys for being overbearing, um, self righteous. I keep trying to think of the other words used this was like ten years ago. It's hard for me to remember. Um, but I, I I'd ask do you forgive me um for, for how I led you guys. Okay. And I replied and I said, hey, Susie Q, um, I forgive you. I love you. 
you know, I understand we're all in a process and a journey. And she replied back and said I was the only person who replied out of the 63 people. <laughs> wow. That silence is deafening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> man, we, man can really mess things up. We really can screw things up where God is concerned. I fully believe that. Yeah. Well, we're like way off the rails and it's been an hour already. Um, <laughs> Wait, I wanted to talk about one more thing though. Okay. I know, I know. <laughs> but it's it's so interesting to me, your time at the International House of Prayer. Okay. Because of who I know you to be now and I've actually, you actually took me to that facility. I did. If you want to call it that. Yeah. That campus, if you want to call it that. Um, and just knowing you now, it, I cannot place you even in the mindset of making that decision, I can't understand your parents' decision to let you go. I know they didn't, couldn't forbid you from going, but. Well, can I tell you how that decision happened first? Yeah, but then you also have to tell what happened there. It's just, I can't even understand yeah. the mindset. Okay, let me go ahead Was and say. Was there a threat if you didn't go? No. Like, I feel like it's going to be that extreme. No. So let me go ahead and say, theologically, a lot of the organizations we are talking about currently, I may or may not still agree with some of the things that they believe um i'm not up to speed on this one that we're currently discussing um i do still have very great friends there that i love trust and believe in um i am in a different sphere now and i don't have any ill will towards that organization that being said with any organization there are damaging stories from every you know from mm -hmm. people and so yeah if it's something that's been harmful to you I want to respect that. I don't want to be like, this place was great. <laughs> you yeah. know, just, or if it's something that you really love and you're about to talk about it differently, you yeah. know, it, this, you have agency over your story and yes, that's, that's, that's where it ends for other people. Your story is not their story. Yeah. So. Right, I right. did have a good experience from what I can remember. So the funny thing about that is, um, I, we, we went to a conference, um, and a bunch of us went from the church I was attending to this other place it, they don't classify themselves as a church um and I was like I feel called to pray I am Anna in the Bible I actually <laughs> feel like I need to be in the prayer room so here was the process for me I had to go to my discipler at the church we've been speaking about and submit my request to them to go do an internship at IHOP yes International House of Prayer in, in Kansas City in Kansas City so my Waco church, I had to go to the person discipling me. She said, oh, I don't know how I feel about that because it's not a, it's not within our ministry. It's not something we do. Let me go ask the girl who disciples me. So she was the boss of the boss. She was right. a section right. leader. And you were how old? <laughs> 20. And the girl discipling you was how old? 23. And the girl discipling her was how old? Uh, 20, so 30. just pointing out no oh, adults man, were involved in this <laughs> life changing decision. Go okay. ahead. So, oh. so I, so they, we all three met and they waited on God and they decided. Did he laugh? He did probably. <laughs> Maybe he's just always laughing. Maybe he's like in a constant really state, think of, state of, yeah. constant state of, like, oh gosh, you guys really screwed that up again. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so they, they, I remember where we were and they closed their eyes and they were like, we feel like the, the Lord said that, you know, you can go. Okay. So I go, I do. God had already told me I should go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> could I, could I just go? 
and send you a text when I get there? <laughs> yeah, probably not. No. Well, I couldn't text for sure. Yeah. So I was released to go mm-hmm. was the words used. And so I went, uh, this is so weird to tell this in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Um, I went, I did a three month internship where I uh, prayed from midnight to 6am. So I was on the night watch It's a 24 hour prayer house. I was on the night watch. Um, and which after watching Game of Thrones, Night Watch has a whole new right for me now. Yeah, I'm imagining you up on a wall. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's a lot of the scriptures. Sworn to celibacy, no one can get in uh, unless you're already in. There were celibates, uh-huh. people who were sworn to celibacy while I was there. Uh, well, and even just like the 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 militant use of Night Watch. Yeah, like you are on the lookout for danger. It's from well, it's from a scripture. I think it's Isaiah 62. It's like I've set. Uh, Watchmen on your walls, oh Jerusalem. Uh-huh. Ew. So that's kind of Ooh. the, yeah. We weren't wrong. Yeah, no, you weren't. <laughs> uh, I might not be Isaiah 62. I don't remember. But anyway, so, so yeah, I learned how to pray. I learned a lot about end times theology and theory, which is why I was saying, I don't, you know, I don't know about all that, but I'm, I don't think anyone can know about that. Sure. Um, if we did, we, we, we wouldn't need God. <laughs> the world would. Yeah, it'd be very different than what it is. But so what was your question, Angela, with that? I, um, well, just that it was so, it's just such a weird experience that for how long were you there? Three months? Three months, summer. So how did you make money? Who paid your bills back home? How well, did you exercise, I, eat? Sure. Um, did you drink water? Pra- <laughs> just a practicality. How'd you stay awake? Yeah. Okay. All of that can be summarized very quickly in that, um, we slept from about 7 a.m. till 2 or 3 p.m. And then we like had to go outside. There was like this, like, you got to go get some vitamin D or you're not mm-hmm. going to make it. Um, and we were interns. And so we lived in apartments next to the facility. And then we had like kind of odd jobs we did. Um, we, what was your odd job? You cleaned things, I think. Right? I got in trouble one time and had to clean something. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So we we had breakfast at like seven or eight and you, you bought your own groceries. I mean, you paid for the internship, you're buying your own groceries, you're not getting paid. Um, you know, my parents paid for everything basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, we would go to class where we'd learn about prayer and end time theology and did that for a couple hours a day. And then we would have small group and then we would go pray from midnight to 6am. So looking back on it now, what through what are your feelings towards that experience i feel like you liked it you okay when you took me to it we were somewhere for a training and she was like can we just go by i just want to show you so i got to go into the prayer room where mm-hmm. prayer was obviously happening 24 hours a day and it was i mean it was peaceful i think i would die if i had to stay there <laughs> longer than the 20 minutes we were there i cannot imagine living there six hours just sitting in one seat nope yeah I enjoyed my time I think because I I have been drawn and I'm probably because of my grandmother and like Catholicism to like uh contemplative meditation like Saint Teresa of Avila like experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ this like Mm -hmm. uh monks nuns like there's something there that is like that felt like that was a modern expression of that mm-hmm. like oh, of right. sacrifice of like I'm not gonna go be a nun 
necessarily. I don't think I will ever. <laughs> but this was this like reverence, this st- staying like a dedication to yeah, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. Kind of like a three month retreat. It was like a three-month retreat. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about people. And was the prayer time open for whatever was laid on your heart? Okay. Or did you have to so, pray specific? Yeah. So this things. is really hard to explain. Uh-huh. There are three different types of prayer structure there. Okay. If this is still true, may or may not be true. There are two-hour slots. One is a devotional slot, which is typically a person up there with an instrument, guitar, piano. And it, it mm-hmm. is like you're just reading your Bible, like quiet time. Like okay. active quiet time with a room. Okay. You're not interacting with the stage. Then the second format is what they call worship with the word where they will literally go through like a Psalm. And so they'll sing corporate songs that everyone knows that relates to that Psalm or has that theme. And then they will sing through it. So they'll start like the singers up there are like, the Lord is my shepherd. I mean, they don't really, they sound way better than that. And then they'll sing it and then they'll pray. There, there's somebody who's like, kind of commentating or like bringing it to life. Like, God, you are our shepherd. You will never leave us. Your leadership is perfect. And mm-hmm. then someone will be like, your leadership is perfect, Lord. <laughs> like, like literally, that's how it goes down, okay? So they're way more talented than I am at this, obviously. So that's two hours. You, you like sit on a scripture and you like, it comes alive. Yeah. I mean, that, that was probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. And the third format is called um, intercession. That's where it gets rowdy. Okay. Oh, that's corporate worship. It kind of comes in cycles. So it's corporate worship. They pray. They pray typically what they call an apostolic prayer, which I believe there's nine of them. That's probably not right. Ephesians three sixteen through nineteen. Ephesians um, one one seventeen through nineteen. They're uh, prayers that Paul has prayed. Yeah. So um, that you may be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation. So the person is praying and everyone's joining in and they're praying, let's say, for our government. Okay. So God, we ask that you would give our government a spirit of wisdom of revelation, that they would be wise beyond their years. Da, da, da. And then the singer's like, wise beyond their years. Okay, like, <laughs> like that. And then, yeah, so that, that goes on for about two hours. It's like nothing you've really ever experienced. It's hard for me to explain. Yeah. And I'm feeling very weird right no, now. No, 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 no. No, I mean, because from here, we could go through your experience with the fire tunnel in Bethel. <laughs> um, we can also do the Benny Hinn. Oh, uh, I forgot I went whooshing. to Benny Hinn. Yes. I mean, this is, gr- I am I am happy to pause spiritual abuse to talk about this weird thing. Just <laughs> spiritual experience. Benny Hinn. Yes. Let me say something about Benny Hinn. What I've heard of him is he is very generous. He'll go and pay for like a whole restaurant's meal, which yeah. whatever. I went because I was like, okay, this guy's got something I don't have. And mm-hmm. I think that's my always my intention. Like what, today, even with you, like you have you, children. Emily. He's, she's pointing at Emily. <laughs> you have children, Emily. I don't. Uh-huh. There are things I can learn from you, mm-hmm. right? Angela, like you have like, you have this resolve, like there are things I can learn. Like, so same with Benny Hand. I was like, well, this guy's got something I don't have. So went to the Extra Co Event Center, which smelled like cow. Poop. <laughs> well, yeah. Because it's H-O-T also fair. Yeah. yeah. A I livestock and rodeo show. I remember walking in and I was like, whoa, manure. <laughs> like, <laughs> not good. And so it's, it's wild. It is like a livestock show and rodeo at this point. <laughs> but with humans. With humans. And they're, they're going to town on stage. And I'm like... 
whoa, you know, and I'm super nervous. And I'm there with a bunch of people that went to the church that I went to at the time who were like the veterans. Mm -hmm. These are like the Holy Ghosters. Mm -hmm. These are the ones that are like, they look into your soul and they know things. Uh-huh. Okay. So I'm, I'm with that crew and I'm feeling like junior varsity, freshman C team. Uh -huh. You know, this is like varsity. So I'm like, I got to show up. So we were walking in and this woman grabs one of the people I'm with and she starts praying over and she's, I can see that she's physically pushing her. And I was like, mm. like <laughs> hand on her head, hand on her head, which let's just talk about that. That is a very aggressive stance and a vulnerable stance. Have you ever had someone place their hand on your head? Doesn't feel vulnerable to me, but I feel like I would be violent with someone who did that it, to me. As ever, yeah, it's. I mean, I don't like it. Right, you're like <laughs> that's my head. Right, like I feel vulnerable. I'm like this is my head. Like yeah. So I kind of was like oh, that's weird. So anyway, we get up to the front, and again, God bless Benny Hinn. I don't ever want to speak against anybody. That Again, you're just telling okay. your story. Angelou. Except for Bon Guava. Except for Bon Guava. <laughs> we are against you, Bon. <laughs> yeah. Guava. Fruit Guava man. Bon. So, <laughs> fruit man. <laughs> so, so we get up to the front because he calls. He's like, I want all the youth to come to the front. And I'm like, well, am I a youth? And he clarifies like 25 and below. So I'm like, okay, I'm 18. So I go to the front and some of these guys are over, over 25, but whatever. So we go to the front and he by the way the choir has already fallen out the choir has has gone down oh, like they're laying on the stage like actually laying on the yes. stage section like singing is over yeah no section 214 has also gone down he's like whooshes the whole section they all go down at and, one point and when you say whoosh because it, I don't it know may not he, translate he for has a thing listening. he has a thing he says i can't remember what it is so i'm saying whoosh it's something like we can Google it. It's something like. But he was talking to that section. Oh, they yeah. didn't whoosh on their own. And like when he, he just extends like his hand out, to everybody. right? Yeah. And the people fall out. They fall out. Yeah. Falling out. Is like there's like an actual force from his hand to their bodies. Yeah. It's God between them. Yeah. Benny Hinn vows to stop asking people for money. I just Googled it. <laughs> okay. Anyway. I, I, I like Benny Hinn. So, so we go up. We go up. Yeah, he, he, it's like a wha-bam, and everyone goes, wham, and everyone goes down. And so I'm up there, and I'm in the front, and I'm like, this is it. This gonna, is, I'm going to get the I'm, Holy Spirit. I'm going to get. I'm about to feel what this force The feels wind like. of God is going to <laughs> blow, and I'm ready. Uh -huh. And so, and I can mention this person, Jamie Snyder, because you guys, we've referenced Jamie before. She's one of our friends. So Jamie is like a new friend, mm -hmm. and she's kind of next. She's probably about six feet away from me in the cluster of people like we were our own little like grape cluster and so among all of the people and so he's like revving up he's giving us the vision he's section 220 it's your turn yeah well it was front it was like uh -huh. the youth here we oh, go oh, oh, oh. this right. is y'all like this is what god wants for you here's all the things and i'm gonna hadouken and it's gonna like fly <laughs> out and hit you and so i was like yes i'm in because i have played street fighter and so <laughs> So I'm standing there and I'm like, wait. And I'm like, do I close my eyes? Right. Do I lock You're trying to prepare yes, for the fall. I am. This is my first experience with this ever. And I'm like, do I this is the look problem. around you? You're in your head too much well, already. This is what people would say about me. Yeah. They, I mean, whew, okay. It's a whole other thing. So I was like, do I lock my knees? Do I bend my knees? Do I have a soft knee? What like, happens what if I hit my head and get a concussion? Right. Who's going to catch me? Uh -huh. How does it, is this like a tree tumbling? Do I like kind of like crumble and uh -huh. fall? Like <laughs> these are all the things I'm thinking through. 
So he does his thing and he's like, oh, whoosh, or whatever it is to the to us. I am not kidding when I say everyone goes down except for me and Jamie. <laughs> like everyone is out. I mean, this girl, Melissa, she was like four feet in front of me. She shot back like six feet. And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm standing there. I look over at Jamie and we both just kind of slowly start inching our way down to the floor. Like we, manually whooshing yourself. Yeah. Because we were like, right. you're like, I'm not going to get called out and go to the stage. <laughs> yeah. Have him, have I don't Benny wanna, put his hand on my head. <laughs> sure. I don't want to be the only one standing at this point. Like, okay. So we both were like, oh. <laughs> and like, you're like the witch in the Wizard of Oz when they throw the bucket of water on her yes. and she just like slithers down to Yes. The I remember just kind of like slowly making my way to the ground and be like woo okay <laughs> so that was it so what do you think about that <laughs> why weren't you whooshed i don't know i've never been whooshed i've been in so many scenarios and settings where whooshing has been happening i've been praying for people and they go whoosh down i've you know and what's so interesting is i wouldn't say that you're not open to it it's like you wanted the whoosh was into you it. were ready yeah. for it you yeah. you weren't um cynical no i was no. i had faith like a child of a right. mustard seed. <laughs> right. Your heart was open. Ready to Maybe go. Maybe you're thinking too much about the impact of the fall. But I don't come know. on, like, do you think that's an obstacle for God? I don't know. I just, of, of anybody, <laughs> of anybody that should have been able to receive the whoosh based on how much you wanted it, you should have gotten it. My whoosh meter was high. Yes. <laughs> you were hopeful. I think so, you too. You were already saying woo before he even <laughs> said whoosh. I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. Oh, disappointing. Yeah. Maybe you should try again. I have tried. Maybe I've, you're more ready now. I don't know. Is it an issue ready? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well. I, I remember <laughs> anything happened at the fire tunnel that's worth talking about? Um, Which one? I've been through a lot of fire I tunnels in my day. I guess the, the one at, I don't know, the one at Bethel? Which one? <laughs> there was I mentioned this this the other day of the story of the the gold glitter, mm -hmm. the fairy dust. There's gold dust. Gold dust. Uh huh. That is the Holy Spirit. Is Manifestation that? of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Have you ever been dusted? I've never had dust on me. Have you seen it? I saw it in someone's ear one time. <laughs> oh my gosh! You're like a leprechaun. <laughs> I see the gold in your ear. Uh, yeah. Do you try to reach out and touch it, or are you supposed to just like? I've seen a documentary in. about it too. Um, no, I think it is. So like the theory here is, and, I, I, and I'm not making fun. I'm laughing a lot, almost out of like nervous energy laughter. <laughs> Same. You know, yeah. I'm a little of both. Right. <laughs> well, I just, I'm like, I'm laughing. guys, what if we looked down at our hands and we had gold dust on our hands what right if? now? What if, what right. if I fall out right here? I mean, you Whoosh. know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm laughing because who I know you now, it's it's like laughing, you know, like when you have these sweet memories of your kids, because when they were two, they would just babble and it, you know, it was right. crazy and it didn't make sense. That's, that's the, the mm. oh, kind good. of, <laughs> the feeling I have. It's like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, so sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't want to mock no, or, you know, certainly don't want to be sacrilegious. I just don't find, um, yeah, this isn't this often? isn't in my in my opinion. <laughs> I'm not even talking I do find ab earwax. I'm not even talking about God right now. You know, like yeah. I'm not laughing at his presence in any regard. I'm laughing at humans reaction to 
um, sense of majestic power oh. among themselves. Yeah, yeah. among themselves. <laughs> like, you know, because I, I don't know if it's God. Like, I actually yeah. don't know if whooshing is happening by the Holy Spirit. Sure. Or if it is just a, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Be- because people desire to be in and mm-hmm. like get the reward for that you know even if the reward is just for the person next to them seeing that they have also arrived at that state of holiness that they will perform mm-hmm. and yeah. do whatever and I, they need you know, to I think do there's something about there's something powerful about group think and group experience shared group experiences and you know, when we were, this is kind of adjacent, but when we all went to the Beyonce concert together, your first <laughs> concert, Emily, which is like such an amazing first concert experience. But um, the backstory is we had these tickets and they were not anywhere near the stage, but Dallas had an ice storm. It was general admission. Yeah, we were on the floor. She but, flew right over us. No, but, but this is why we were. Right. Because of the ice storm. Oh, right. They just attendance wanted... Attendance was low. Attendance was low. So they just basically said, go stand anywhere by the stage. So we went straight up to the mm-hmm. stage, like, you know, four, six feet from Beyonce. And, you know, that moment, singing with all of our friends, you know, you kind of lose yourself. Sure. In the moment. And maybe you act a little differently than you normally would outside of that context. Yeah, maybe yeah. you're hands are up and you're screaming you know maybe you mm-hmm. are rolling around on the floor because it's so much fun I that I I can get behind those group experience that, experiences that happen within extreme church settings like revival like Benny Hinn like fire tunnels where yeah. you're caught up in it it to that person I bet feels like the Holy Spirit sure. yeah and I don't want to you know, like when I read when I read the Old Testament, I can't remember <laughs> the last time I read the actual Old Testament, like all the way through. But, you know, it says the Israelites were led by a cloud by day and a fire by night. That is how God manifested himself, a cloud by day and a fire by night. And now I'm sure there's going to be a theological debate on if that was literal or figurative or whatever. But at any rate, I think God has a history of showing up in miraculous signs, wonders, mm-hmm. whether that is... I can't believe I just had the capacity to change another diaper Mm -hmm. or I can't believe that we prayed for my mom who we thought was had this illness and then she didn't Mm -hmm. or or look there's gold dust on my hands you know I I I don't think here's here's where it gets dangerous one is not greater than the other and I I think in that culture in different cultures Everyone is looking for the physical manifestation of gold dust, jewels, gems, cloud, Holy smoke. Spirit laughter. And just your own whatever. goosebumps isn't enough. Right. Or your own, yeah, revelation is Yes. Not. And while I would love, and God, please hear me, I would love those things still today. And I, I hunger for them. I have to be, I have to recognize that he is in the mundane. Yeah in the everyday, in the ordinary, in the boring. And there's there are a thousand miracles going on that I cannot see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. if you ever think about like, how did I get home today? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I mean, it just, that has to be uh, 
considered as well. Yes. Acknowledged and, 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 and I would argue that that consideration that you now have for God in the mundane, God in the everyday, God in the ordinary, that you can see him any anywhere you look for him in that extra patience that you have, in the fact that you're woke up breathing again today, mm-hmm. that discovery of who God is had to happen apart from the kind of extreme and radical church experiences you formerly had because in that context the way that God showed himself was gold dust was falling out Mm -hmm. was speaking in tongues was flesh on flesh and feeling fire you know like a hand I'm gonna lay my hands on both y'all right now I'm gonna feel some steam heat you know what I'm saying like that's what everyone was experiencing and so it's normal for you to also see those examples as the manifestation of God and look for those things too in your own life and, and find them. And then feel inadequate if you don't. Yeah. Right. I think that's right. the And just to part. know that, yes, it's, it's not a gauge for closeness. Correct. Or yeah. even his reality. You know, you have the same level of proximity to him whether you are experiencing him in the mundane or seeing mm-hmm. gold dust. He's not more real or more present or any different he is the same. Mm-hmm. How we experience him might be adjusted based on, you know, mm-hmm. our own mind and heart and spirit and whatever. Yeah. I think back to um, nuns, monks, and the like, that is why I I think was drawn to them. There's a, a guy called Brother Lawrence, and he talks about experiencing God's presence when he does the dishes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he, it's not, it's not these mountaintop experiences. Yeah. It's the steps along the way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's, I, I'm more drawn to that. I am fascinated and enthralled and invigorated by all of the other things. Yeah. But I am wooed to use mm-hmm. the, the meaning of that word wooed, like drawn mm-hmm. by the, the ordinary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And can we go ahead and mention, cause it's the same thing. And I do feel like it's pretty prevalent for people, maybe many of our, our listeners to have experienced where different spiritual gifts are valued above another or represent a different level of holiness or closeness to God. And I, I mean, I haven't spent long focused time in the scripture about this, but what I have interpreted is that there are many different spiritual gifts Mm -hmm. that people are given Mm -hmm. and there has been no delineation of one being superior to the other. Mm -hmm. So if you come into contact with someone who's trying to get you to acquire a gift you do not have and you cannot get yourself to have it, that does not speak anything different mm-hmm. about your relationship with Jesus. Right. So just really be on the lookout for, yes, yep. whenever different manifestations or gifts or mm-hmm. any way that you are supposed to experience God, when that is told to you and said in a language that uh, suppresses any part of it, mm-hmm. have your 
critical radar thought processes or radar red flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's hard because, you know, um, my dad, after my mom passed away, it was like <laughs> five, ten years after my mom passed away, mm -hmm. started dating a, a, a lady that we really loved. She was amazing, and I was so happy to see my dad so happy. She was very active in her local church and you know my dad was like asking her to read scripture out loud and we just were so hopeful and so the week of their wedding when they go to this church that she was very active in and my dad was there just as a visitor with her you know supporting her in her uh journey the pastor they were going over the wedding ceremony uh -huh. and so the pastor says okay i'm just going to call her natalie to protect her that's not her name Okay, Natalie, uh, you know, this is when I will say this prayer and you will receive it and you will speak in tongues. And now Neil, this is, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> this is where I will say this prayer and you will receive it and you will speak in tongues. And my dad said, I, I don't, I don't speak in tongues. Mm -hmm. And so that was the reason for the breakup and the breaking of his mm -hmm. heart. Um, because he, the church yeah. culture didn't believe that he, had the Holy Spirit if he couldn't manifest it in speaking in tongues. And I hated that moment for my dad. You know, again, right or wrong, I mean, that's a specific theology that I know people subscribe to and very much believe wholeheartedly. But on the receiving end of my dad's heartbreak, um, I hated that it reinforced the reasons why he left the church in the first yeah, place. right. And, you know, he's, at the time, he was, what, 70 years old? And I as a protector of him and his heart, you know, that was just something I couldn't, I, I couldn't stand for. And my dad's come a long way now, you know, but I think if I had to describe him, he's more of a universalist, mm -hmm. you know, he believes all things are God. Denomination isn't specific. It's, you know, he, he enjoys going to the Catholic church because he loves the rote practice of mm -hmm. it all. And he's a very, um, tender loving kind human that feels very f feels very much like Jesus to me mm -hmm. even though maybe you can't pinpoint all the things that churches would say he needs to be doing in order to uh -huh. truly be connected to God right. but anyway so that's an example of what you were just saying Emily yeah. is I I'm glad that my dad would not compromise who he knew himself to be mm. to placate uh -huh. a church right preference right yeah and i think that uh gosh so many things i want to say learned power learned powerlessness mm -hmm. is a form of spiritual abuse placating learned powerlessness mm -hmm. losing your ability to think for yourself learning not believing in your own voice anymore mm -hmm. uh, thinking oh if i just had this gift or that deal or i mean it's, it's learned powerlessness. I mean, mm -hmm. that is that when I look back at my journey, my parents did not raise a meek, they, well, they, hum, I think humble for sure, but not a, uh, they didn't raise me to keep my mouth shut. Yeah. I learned that. Mm -hmm. I learned that powerlessness. Well, learned powerlessness. And then I would also say desire, or, uh, learned conformity. Mm-hmm. You Gro being groomed by control. Yeah. You do these things because then you get belonging and you fit in here you when you do these things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, <laughs> I think that we can pause here and come back for round two. With can I leave us with Bob, a, Bob Guava? Can I leave us with a brother Lawrence quote? <laughs> sure. Love this guy. Okay. 
It says, we ought, we ought not to be weary of doing little things for the love of God. Little things, just everyday things. Who, rega- who regards not the greatness of the work, but the love in with, with which it is performed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good. It doesn't matter, great, small, it's about the love and the intention behind it. Mm-hmm. And I will say, just for our listeners who may have found themselves thinking or feeling uncomfortable with some of the dialogue that we shared here or even disagreeing with some of the thoughts that we communicated. One of the things that we have always valued with our refit community, but also I can say that the three of us are committed to from a personal value standpoint is making space for disagreeing or opposing opinions, thoughts, and ideas. And Mm -hmm. You're invited to this table here, whether you think, believe, or act like us, and we would want an invitation to yours um, mm. in the same way. And so I, I'm i aware that every time that we share, you know, there are people that respond um, critically or are disappointed mm-hmm. in how they hear us share things. And again, I just will reiterate, one thing that we will never waver from in these recordings is we're not going to stop being who we are. It would be, in my opinion, deceiving for us to say things that we don't mean so that we don't make people mad, but then off air talk about them the way that we really feel about them. Right. Um, Our listeners are always invited to hear the episodes, but you're never forced or required to do so. Mm -hmm. And likewise, should you listen to the entire episode, we're not trying to convince you of anything. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not trying to like poo poo on your glitter parade either. Like your gold dust parade. I came into the episode very intentionally wanting to start all of my sentences with, I think, yeah, or I believe, or in my opinion. Yeah. Like I, I am only speaking from my personal story and from my perspective not declaring any of it as the final truth or the final interpretation or the final opinion that you should then adopt. I think each of us can reflect on the last 10, 15, 20 years, however long, and there is still great joy and in reflecting on, mm-hmm. on my personal experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why I was so careful in how I was communicating. I don't want to make fun of because Cause yeah, there are moments where I was like, that was a lot of fun. And there are moments like that was really weird and messed up, (laughs) but it's all to use a scripture, you know, you know what I'm going to say? It's yours, your favorite one. All things work together Mm -hmm. for good for those who love him, love him. Yeah. Not all good things work together for good. All things work together for good. Is that in Romans? 828. (laughs) One of the few verses I know. Wow. My life verse. (laughs) Really? Well, it is now. It is now. I'm looking it up. And we know that for those who love God and all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. Mm -hmm. All things. Yep. One thing that we can all agree on is that God is good and that he has um, loved us well and he loves people well and he's allowed us the capacity to have hearts that are open to all people. And that includes you listening to this podcast today. So thank you for um, pushing through the uncomfortable the discomfort the awkward the the humorous the funny we uh we love you for listening and we will come back next time for round two with bob guava can't wait or whatever we decide to say (laughs) don't forget to give us a review love you guys Bye. bye